0: Welcome to episode 76 of Talking Dirty, over at East Ruston Old Vicarage, looking fabulous in forest green, and you cannot <laughs> see his trousers, but I wish you could. In fact, do you want to do a little, do you want to get up so we can see your trousers?
1: Goodness gracious.
0: <laughs> How did you describe them? A t- sort
1: of Dolly Tartan look, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dolly Tartan himself, uh, looking absolutely handsome as ever, our horticulturalist,
1: Alan Edward Herbert Gray, over at East Trust in Old Vicarage. And over in Cambridgeshire, we have the delightful and uh, the thrilling Miss Thordes Maria <laughs> Sophia Fredrickson.
0: <laughs> Talking of thrilling, that is a word to describe our guest today. We are heading to the inimitable York Gate Garden in Leeds to catch up with its senior gardener, Jack Ogg. Welcome to Talking Dirty. Do you have Hello. any
2: middle names to share? Uh, I do. My middle name's Alistair. So it's uh, Jack Alistair Ogg.
0: What is the story with Og? It's such an interesting surname.
2: Um, to be honest, I'm not quite sure. It's a, it's a, it's a Scottish last name. My, my family, my father's side are, are from Bears Den area of Glasgow, and apparently it's reasonably popular uh, in that area. But other than me and my dad, there's not many other Ogs in the phone book. Certainly not in in Leeds.
0: <laughs> well, it's a very distinctive name. It makes you very helpfully googleable um so uh, I've, I've been reading all about you um tell us a little bit a potted history if you like of, of you and your gardening adventures through your life
2: well I've kind of always been in gardening um I, I left school and got a job in a local garden centre uh and I was I was there for a while I, I've done various college courses um, different horticultural courses and that sort of thing and then I was a landscape gardener for about four years, but that was a lot of paving and decking and that sort of thing, and not really much in the way of actual plants. And that's where that's where my love is. So uh, it was it was reasonably dull. So getting into actual horticulture was was where I was going. I then was lucky enough to get onto the PGG course, the Professional Gardeners Guild. So I spent half my time working at. York Gate, where I am now, and half my time at Harewood House, uh, a big historic house. And then after that, I was offered the job at Harewood just as a as a standard um, as a standard gardener, standard gardener as a thing. Um, So so I worked at Harewood for about eight or nine years um, in the Himalayan garden. Um, and lakesides looking after those things and I also did a bit of time working in the in the bird garden uh, which was quite interesting nothing I didn't do any bird related keeping stuff Uh, (laughs) it was only the only the plants but it was it was lovely it was it was a nice place so I I really liked Harewood House. Um, Jack
1: I seem to remember that in Harewood House
2: on the terrace there's rather an interesting statue. There is there's there's the Orpheus statue um and and he's basically naked with a I think it's a panther a puma on his on his shoulders but he's a yeah. he's a decent sized character and we get we used to get <laughs> lots of people taking pictures of particular parts of Orpheus and, and getting rather excited.
0: Puma clearly.
2: The, the puma obviously yeah the, the the
1: puma's tail. I think it's interesting that when it, that statue was commissioned it was specifically asked for this man to be of generous proportions.
2: Yes, I had to stand there for hours uh, while they while they modelled <laughs> him on me, basically. Uh, hey, shut me... up! <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, we spent about 74 episodes of this podcast not really talking dirty. It was called Talking Dirty because having worked with Alan for years and been friends with him for years, it felt like the natural name for Alan Gray's podcast. But um, you've been so well behaved for so many episodes. I think surreal succulents have unlocked something and you've become extra naughty. (laughs)
2: uh, When when you asked me to come on Talking Dirty, I I went up in the loft and searched out my my old favourite nipple tassels, but um, (laughs) it it was the wrong thing. It was was a different one. It was about plants, apparently, so uh, not not disappointed.
0: Quite a few people find us and think it's going to be a very different podcast. So sorry if you weren't here for plants, but that's really what it's about. And and Jack, I mean, I've followed you on Instagram for a while now, and it's such a treat because you always post such unusual things. Uh, has that kind of have you always been drawn to the unusual all the way through from when you were young, or was there a point when you had an epiphany?
2: Yeah, I've I've, I've always found plants that are a bit odd and a uh, um maybe a bit smelly or the flowers are a bit strange definitely more interesting I, I like I like a a good decent rose or a, a fuchsia as much as the next person but if the plant's a bit unusual and has yeah I don't know a strange character to it then it, it definitely appeals I, I particularly like plants that use uh, mimicry rather than reward as a as an option for pollination so things like uh, stapelias, with their big sort of starfish shaped meat smelling flowers uh, i find that much more interesting than i
1: think that stapelias are the one of the that i mean i Child, me is a child stapelias. Aunt Patty, come and smell this. It's really lovely. <laughs> Every boy should have one.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I've I've never grown out of that, basically. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I think I read that you particularly like Amorphophallus. Um and what was the other one? Uh,
2: here we go again. Uh, basically, <laughs> plants of the of the Arum family, Araceae, uh, really work for me. Um, it's, a, it's a really exciting family and it's got loads of great stuff in it. So, I mean, yeah, so Arum, Somorphophallus, Dracunculus, uh, Aracema. Arisema. Kind of things.
0: Yeah, that's the one I wanted to say. Right. <laughs> that's the one I was reaching for.
1: It's a fascinating tale of an Aracema and I can't remember which one it is, Jack. You may know, I don't know, but when they have that spathe and it has a long, very long, thin tip on it that bends forward and touches the ground so that ground beetles can walk up that sort of tendrily thing and get to the space to do the pollination bit.
2: Yeah, definitely. There's a there's a few Aracemas that do that and they use different techniques. Um, Aracema Griffithii, which I always struggle to say, Mr Griffith's Aracema, yeah. uh, it's the end of the... It's the appendix appendage even of the spadix which coils yep. out and touches the ground and then you get aracemas like aracema intermedia or intermedium where it's the spathe tip that like you say trails out and touches the ground and it's it's ridiculously long as well the plant is only a foot or so high and the spathe tip is is meters long so well a meter long sometimes so it's it seems completely out of proportion. Um, I, I asked on a particular Aracema group that I'm part of, and I asked in the International Aroid Association that I'm part of, um, why it would bother, because you'd sort of think it would only need to be long enough to reach the ground, but yeah. apparently Aracema Intermedia grows on cliff sides. So ah. the,
1: the,
2: the spade tip needs to reach lower than the base of the plant where the tuber would be yeah sort of makes sense but yeah they're, they're interesting things plants never cease to surprise <laughs> do they no
0: <laughs> that's absolutely amazing it's interesting you say mimicry as well because i think you're quite into orchids alongside all of these other things
2: yeah definitely um more the more the terrestrial orchids i i grow quite a few of rather than the big you know, I mean, I, I like a, a Phalaenopsis and a Cymbidium as much as the next person, but I, I like some of the, the tiny little ground orchids. Uh, some of the Dactylorizers and Nophoris and that sort of thing uh, work for me. And yeah, obviously they use mimicry, pretending to be a bee. Yeah.
1: So.
0: A wonderful stuff. Well, I am super excited to see what your Flamo is going to be. In fact, we've been trying to set this podcast up for a while, but then you posted a photo of a plant and I got so excited and said, Jack, you've got to come on while it's in flower because we need <laughs> to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> so hopefully you have that for
2: show and tell. I, I do have it, but brace yourself because it is tiny um, <laughs> and whether I can... Get the flower to show up on the on the picture, on the camera or not, is it? It's another thing. I'll give it a go.
0: We'll have to make sure that we get photos onto social media as well. So if you're listening to the audio version, you'll be able to head over to our Get Gardening Now accounts and, and have a look at a picture. But here it comes in its pot.
2: So this one, uh, with free wood louse I've found, um, <laughs> is, I think I'm pronouncing it right, Myrsia um m-i-e-r-s-i-a myersia um chiliensis and it's a, a little a tiny bulb from obviously Chile, as the name suggests and has these tiny green flowers it's a wonderful thing and it's been in flower for a month maybe more for me and it'll keep going and keep going so i mean if you're if you're into slightly unusual bulbs and uh interesting house plants because it's it's easy to grow on a on a sunny windowsill, um, this is definitely a recommendation. Um, bit lax, bit unusual, grassy-like foliage, and then these tiny flowers. But if you've got a a good eye or a microscope, they're they're really interesting. Uh, Amaryllidaceae, so it's it's basically like a tiny miniature daffodil with a purple centre, but certainly an interesting thing well yeah, it's that
0: combination of i mean i love green flowers and then um, the fact that it's got that sort of bluey purply bit as well and it's so yeah.
2: small <laughs> oh, it's, i don't know why i love that it's a lovely thing
0: <laughs> and alan i think we found a plant that you didn't know
2: Oh, well, this one
1: yeah. yeah yeah no i didn't know i've never heard of it <laughs> never heard of it but i mean i i like jack i mean i have some sort of pretty weird and wonderful plants as well I, I can't i just can't for the life of me remember the name of it but it I think it's a member of the hyacinth family, but it has an enormous bulb or two or three or four because it sort of kind of multiplies itself. And then from the middle of the bulb comes this green stem and it never actually makes proper leaves. They're all sort of like jaggedy little bits. And eventually it it climbs actually. And it, you know, if you rig something up for it to climb up and eventually it'll give you some tiny little white stars as flowers. Um, so, I mean, again, it's very unusual. I mean, it's not a thing of beauty, I, mean, I will admit, but it's a curiosity.
2: I, I think I know what you're talking about because I have one in the succulent house. And Oh, you uh, might. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, the climbing onion. Uh, yes. Is it? Yeah. Uh, it's, I believe it moved to Ornithogalum at some point, but I think it's back now to it's something along the lines of Bowia Bawia. Bawia, that's it. Um, Volubis. Or volubil- volubil- volubilis, Volubilis, Volubilis.
0: volubilis. Yep. That one. That's it. it a work. Great
2: thing. <laughs> Definitely a good plant.
0: And I'm really, I'm very happy to hear that the Malaysia, however we say it, is um, is sunny windowsill will be happy there because it looked wonderful in the kind of greenhouse setting. I assume it was in a sort of I don't know a heated greenhouse or something where you yeah. are. But but I thought well I haven't got one of those, but I'm I could sustain it on a sunny windowsill.
2: No, this, this plant has been with me for a number of years, even before I got to Yorkgate, and I used to grow it on my kitchen windowsill. Um, I've given, because it, it produces bulbils and, and it's quite easy from seed as well, but I've given loads away and posted some to friends abroad even. Um, and it's it's very easy. Multiplies and grows readily on the windowsill and then goes dormant for the summer as well. So it's it's a bit of interest for, for winter when not much else is doing.
1: Well, that's lovely. That's nice. I thought, thought it's, I can see one of those
2: coming your way. <laughs> I've, I've got a number. I'm sure I could rustle up two out of that pot.
0: <laughs> I'll see how I do with it. Um, the <laughs> other half keeps telling me there are too many plants on the windowsill, but clearly that isn't a thing.
2: <laughs> no, am <I'm>, sure... <laughs> <laughs> need wider windowsills then, obviously.
0: Yeah, just bigger house, more windows, fill all yeah. of them with plants. So um, you said you brought that one, you kind of added it to the York Gate collection. Are there things that you've been sort of moving across from your personal collection into the York Gate one?
2: I, I think mostly Aroids are the things that I've brought to York Gate. Um, there, was, there was some reasonably, well, some, some very nice plants. Uh, Arum Italicum, um, However, you whichever one it is, Arum Italicum Marmoratum, or one of the many, many named cultivars. Or of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Those uh, that was at York Gate and it's, it's a weed everywhere.
1: <laughs> Interesting, you should mention those, Jack. I went around the garden the other day um, and I don't know. I, 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 I well, back to square one when I first came to this garden, there was nothing here, but my family house in South Norfolk they had an Arum Italicum or it might have been the other one, marmoratum, but it had black spots on the leaves, and that fascinated me. So I went back to my granny's house, and I dug some up and brought them to the garden here, and they're still here. Um, And then I got one or two others, and I started looking at... They obviously cross. When they're in flower, they're pollinated, and they cross-pollinate, and then the, the seedlings come up. Um, Second year, of course, they get their true markings, the seedlings. So if you grow some from seed and they're all green, don't do what I did and throw them out in disgust. (laughs) (laughs) It's silly. Um, uh, You know, there's numerous varieties of size of leaf, pattern on the leaf, whether the leaf is silver marked or veined or even splashed with gold, uh, uh, you know, yellow. I think it's a fascinating thing. And you've got these all winter.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and it's not just obviously our native Arum arum maculatum with the black spots on the leaves is a, is a fantastic garden plant, but there are there is a number of arums that we can grow in the UK that that should be more widely grown and people just don't. Um I mean I have this one the leaf is really really sort of strongly sagittate with these extra long lobes at the base it's quite a large leaf too yeah and, and it will get quite a quite a bit bigger than that as well' um, it's, it's difficult to see on the on the picture but it's got white markings on the leaf as well yeah but that one's arum conciatum uh, and it's got a really fantastic pure white spathe with a yellow spadix in the middle um, and a really lovely plant and then obviously like we said there's the there's the arum italicum in all its various forms, which is a, I mean, to go with cyclamen and snowdrops and eranthus and stuff at this time of year, that is just a fantastic foliage plant. And and hard as nails, takes minus temperatures really well. Arum pictum is the, by far, the best arum for me. Uh, Autumn flowering, so quite unusual. It flowers before it gets its uh, foliage, so you just get these purple arum flowers sticking out the ground first, and then the foliage comes through and stays through the winter and into early spring. So when does it flower, Jack? Uh, it's autumn flowering, so it'll flower, I guess it's kind of September time. I'll have to check right. on that one completely. I do have pictures of this, so it'll be that'll be dated. I'm so glad um,
0: I'm not the only one who suddenly thinks, hang on a minute, when was it?
2: <laughs> yeah, I I say that, and then I think it's September, but- Time's it, such a blur. Just basically all of, the other, um, all of the other family, all of the rest of the arums are spring flowering and arum pictum is the only one that is autumn flowering uh, but lovely and, and also the leaves are incredibly thick and, and glossy, really tough, um, very nice leaves and you can get, there's arum pictum var pictum and arum pictum sagittifolia and they've got, really nice silver markings on the leaves and, and the same evil smelling purple flower in the, uh, in the autumn. So it's it's a great one to grow. It's a lovely one.
0: (laughs) I'm so glad you brought Aram's along because um, Alan has been getting quite excited about Aram's over the past few weeks. I don't know if you've just sort of been spending time in your garden, Alan, and, uh, and just marvelling at them, but you, you bring a lot of Aram enthusiasm
1: to the Talking Dirty podcast. Well, I'll tell you what I have been doing. I mean, I've been going around and I've been labelling those that are, that are um, germinated at the bottom of hedges. So they're obviously bird zone, if you see what I mean. And, and, and so I've, I've earmarked those that are worth digging up and moving elsewhere so that when they go dormant in April time, I'll be able to go out there and dig them up and, and transfer them to where I want them to be.
0: Oh, exciting times. What is next, Mr. Og? What are you bringing next for Show and Tell?
2: Uh, well, going away from the Aroid thing, I've got another bulb from Chile, basically, Ooh. similar to the myersia. little 6 petaled brown star-shaped flowers and one very long, incredibly boring-looking leaf, um, but <laughs> it's, it's a good plant. So, <laughs> that is an this. extremely long leaf. <laughs> it is. It um, is and i'm not even sure that this plant is is fully uh fully grown it it can this leaf can get a lot longer and it only ever makes one per bulb and then on the top of see if i can get it into the camera oh look look at that six petaled star-shaped flowers uh that smell like pond water so it's (laughs) it's it's an unusual one again uh and that one is uh gethium atropurpureum
1: that
0: is a very, that strikes me as a very Jack plant.
2: It's a lovely plant. It's a great <laughs> one. Um, a friend at Edinburgh Botanics sent me this one, and it was a, it was a tiny little bullbill, and I've grown it for, well, I've, I've had that one for about five years or so. In the first few years, I just had this one long, incredibly dull leaf. So it made me question a few times whether I kept this thing going, but then it rewards you with these fantastic...
1: That gets I mean, it has something in common with some Streptocarpa species, because some Streptocarpa species have just one big leaf, don't they?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's oh, there's a really nice one. I think uh, I think Mike Clifford, who you've had on the on the podcast yeah. before, grows one with a, a giant leaf and it's something along the lines of smithii or and it has fairly small red flowers and then one enormous giant yeah. leaf. Yeah. Uh, I, I tried to grow it from seed once and failed completely. So oh, one day I'll have it.
0: Why do these plants only have one leaf? Do we know?
2: I, do you know? No, I've <laughs> no idea. It seems like a, um, a really risky, risky manoeuvre to do, really. Um, like, like, a, like you say, uh, one of my favourite plants, Amorphophallus, the, the titan arums, um, they only make one leaf, one huge single petiole with a massive umbrella leaf on the top of it and you sort of think that's a very risky risky move to only make one leaf and if something damages it then that's it for the year and you have to wait until the next growing season to to produce a leaf. Yeah but,
0: evolutionarily why have these plants decided to go for such a risky a risky way of growing but maybe ask, somebody knows tell us if you know.
2: <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd love to know if somebody tells us then I'd, I'll, I'll add that to my brain
0: <laughs> it was interesting you said earlier that you were you were in some really fantastically niche sort of international groups
2: yeah uh well um the one of one of the groups i was talking about was just a facebook group facebook and some of these things have got some fantastic groups you know i'm uh like i say the arasima enthusiasts or that kind of thing you know and, and they they really are i mean geeky's is the wrong word but they're they're niche niche for people that like a particular group of plants but they're full of people with real knowledge that it it would be difficult to to tap into otherwise you know but they've they've joined these facebook groups so you can ask these questions so it's it's good
0: yeah it's wonderful and
2: the the international aroid society uh is a is an actual group that you could that you can join well worth joining
0: just so happy it exists and and also we are all about celebrating geekiness on this podcast. I mean that is just the essence of what we do.
2: <laughs> no it's not a bad thing it's not a bad no. thing to
0: be geeky. Geek out week in week out should be our slogan. Um well we've had some fantastic show and tell so far what do you have any others up your sleeve? I've
2: I've brought in quite a few bits really. Um <laughs> you you notice this impatiens in, in the background. That really was just my, my backdrop, but it is especially nice. Um, and I'm going to use it on mass in the tropical garden, uh, this year. I've taken loads of cuttings. I must have 50 odd cuttings of, of this. Um, and I'm going to use it as bedding. It gets to about a meter and a half tall, um, when it's, when it's fully happy. Um, it's Sympathium sodeniae um, and it's, a a giant one, it ends up Almost with a with a, a woody base to the to the bottom of it, but then these big succulent stems and tons and tons of quite large, almost a, an inch or so across, white flowers with a, a pink centre. So a nice one.
0: Lovely
1: leaves. I've also, on that. I've also got that, and I've got it in the mauve uh, a mauve uh, colour. Um, right. And it was it was one of those things that's just sort of passed around in like country house gardens, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah. I went to Helmingham Hall one day, and we were we were. Um, talking to Czar Tollimash, who lives there. which well, She doesn't know, but she used to live there. And she said, oh, take a plant. We've got loads of it. So I took this whopping great, you know, big old pot like this, on yeah. the side, in the car, on the back seat, and off we went. And I, so I've got what well, you've got, the white one with the pink centre, and I've also got the, the mauve one. And the one thing I will say about them, they do bed out very, very well. Right. Just don't put them out too early. But, you know, they, they – they, shady spot. Doesn't matter whether it's cool or not. They, they love it.
2: I've uh, I've got quite a quite a number of impatiens. It seems to be a thing with me. I'll I'll get one genus of plants and then suddenly I need to collect them all. I, I went a bit mad on selenums last year and that sort of thing. But um, I've got quite a few impatiens that I use. Some tiny ones, the Kilimanjaro and the Pseudoviola, and then yeah, giant monsters as well that I'm planning on using. So, have you got Flanaganii? Yes, the tuberous one with the bean. yeah.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, lovely. I got flanagani. I know it's in a pot, and if I don't take it out of that pot, it's going to break it because it's a terracotta pot. But somebody told me that you know you will get when it gets big enough and, and mature enough, it will make tubers up the stem, and oh, it looks right. like it does that. And it's in the greenhouse, and it looks like some horrible disease,
2: <laughs> <laughs> like it's got some growths on it. Yeah, um, I've I've found it to be hardy. Um, some I left some tubers in the ground by accident, and they and they came back fantastically this year. So it's...
1: Well, I have heard that Jack, and if you can do it in York, well, I can do it here in Norfolk. So I've yeah, only had one way. plant. I've kept it in a pot, you see. But now that I've got all these tubers, I can make lots more. And I did take cuttings before the before we took it in for the winter. So I've got an heir and a spare. <laughs>
2: nice, excellent. <laughs> yeah, I, I think on that on that line, my uh, my most successful impatiens um thing from from last year i i took a load of i took a load of cuttings of impatiens arguta blue dream and I, i stuck them in the bare root cuttings in the uh trunks of the tree ferns in the tropical garden and they all rooted in and grew as epiphytes and kind of closed the trunks of the tree ferns Growing. And Jack, you've
1: just struck up a brilliant, brilliant idea, because everybody, you know, all these people that are interested in gardening, especially exotic or tropical and that kind of thing, they've probably got a tree fern and, yeah. you know, they've probably got something growing out of it, like an evergreen oak tree or an acacia and all those <laughs> sort of things. We all we all do that. But you've just gave, given me this wonderful idea to use impatiens as a, 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 use the um, Dixonia as a host for the impatiens. I yeah, think it's yeah.
2: brilliant. What a good idea, Cracky. I've used a, I've used a few different plants. Uh, obviously, I, I use Tillandsias on them. Uh, you, you hang the Spanish moss from the, from the fronds themselves and then some of the bigger talansias like uh, bergerai and stuff actually tucked into the crowns, so they look really nice. Um, but then I've, I've used um, that, which is the Colocasia relative with a much smaller leaf but nicer markings on it. And apparently it grows as an epiphyte on mossy branches in its, in its native home. So I thought, whack some tubers in the trunk, see if they grow. And they, they did really well and grew fantastically. I even got um, runners and rhizomes trying to plant themselves into the tree fern. What's that so, plant related to? Uh, it's, it's like a miniature Colocasia. It's, rim, I think right. you say it, Remusatia, R-E-M-U-S-A-T-I-A. Remusatia I've heard people say but I don't like that pronunciation so.
1: (laughs) Remusatia. Yeah.
0: I mean how satisfying a great idea and then to see it come to life so well that the plants just settle right in and start kind of going off on their own exploration.
2: They were they were almost happier in the tree fern than they were in the ground because I I planted them below as well so it kind of looked like they were they were growing up from the ground up into the tree fern, but they were, they were better off on the plant than they were growing in the soil below. So it's, it's worth a go with these things. It's worth giving it a go and seeing if it works, because if it doesn't, then, you know, you've not lost anything, really, especially if it was cuttings.
0: There are some amazing things going on in that head of yours, Jack.
2: <laughs> I, it, it, whatever is going on needs sealing in concrete and dumping in the North Sea, I think, sometimes. You know, it's, <laughs> the, the plant things are good okay with the plant stuff
0: you mentioned that you've kind of got ideas brewing for this year in yorkgate are there any kind of things in particular that you're excited about or you're not sure touch and go whether they're gonna they're gonna work but you want to try it
1: i mean
2: as always with um anything that i do aroids have got to be involved in it so i'm going to use sorumatums, the voodoo lilies on on mass this year um and again, the uh, morphophallus that I grow, I'm gonna plant them in the ground so they give a bit of, a bit of something different. I mean, um, I, love, I love a tropical garden in, in lots of different ways, but I've, I'm trying to use stuff that people don't necessarily know. And sometimes even good gardeners will Will turn up and maybe not recognise some of the things, um, which is it's not a snobby way of doing it. It's just it's really nice for people to to arrive and and find something a bit different.
0: Well, that's what happened to Alan. I just remember so vividly the day that you'd been to York Gate and you uh, you came back just raving about it because there were so many great ideas and so many plants that were unusual that you didn't necessarily see when you visited a garden normally.
1: Well, when I saw York Gate, I was absolutely blown away, and I think I'm giving a talk to a Hardy Plant Group up in York next year, maybe. Um, and so I'm going to have an overnighter, I think, and, and come and see York Gate again because it's one of the gardens that I tell everybody that they should see, because the ideas in it. I think. Well, I think it's not a grand garden, is it, Jack? I mean, it's quite domestic in scale.
2: Uh, the The old York gate, the original garden that the Spencers had is only an acre so yeah. it's, it's definitely um, petite but it's that that works in its favor really because um, people can take something home it's a bit more like your own back garden might be yeah know, so you can you can you can take that scale home and, and use it I thought that was wonderful
0: if um if people can't get to york gate if you're one of our listeners in america australia or, or india well hello to various people all over the place um we um we did talk to well we've had ben preston your head gardener on a couple of times and i think probably in the first episode we'd have talked a bit more about the the whole sort of garden and the garden rooms and the the history of it so we'll link to that so you can easily find it in fact we've had a promise that you and ben might do a double act one of these days on the podcast jack
2: that would that would be interesting, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's certainly a garden where there are wonderful plants to be seen, and clearly you're all kind of encouraged to experiment and to to kind of live your gardening dreams in in the garden rooms.
2: Oh, oh definitely, yeah. I mean, um, it's it's kind of nice because the 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 Spencers that that had the garden that that left the garden to. Perennial, who is the charity that owns York Gate? Um, they planted new stuff all the time, and and were always planting interesting, unusual things. We've we've got a lot of their uh, their records of the plants they bought, and so so it's an excuse for us to go, ah, oh, well, they probably would have planted it if they had it. <laughs> so if we if we get something interesting and something unusual that's that's new, you can kind of kind of justify it by saying, oh, well, they would have done it if they had it. They would have planted it. So. <laughs> We get round it.
0: I love that. Um, what other bits of show and tell have you got? Have we exhausted it yet?
2: Uh, I have this one. <laughs> which is very okay, nice. Okay, that
0: is one of the strangest things that's ever been brought to Talking Dirty. It's,
2: obviously, uh, I think it's, it's quite fitting. Maybe it's, it's an, unusual, <laughs> an unusual shaped thing. Um, this is one of, one of my favourite plants uh, of all time, really. This is... Uh, Soromatum venosum, so the, the voodoo lily, or monarch of the east is the other or lesser used common name, but I think it's a fantastic common name for it. Um, but this one is a, is a really special one because it's Soromatum venosum lake Tana, and it's uh, collected from lake Tana, which is in Ethiopia, and rather than the usual kind of red motley flower, that it's got. This one has a, a yellow flower with a yellow spadix. Uh, it still smells terrible. It smells of carrion and is covered in blue bottles, but it's a, it's a really unusual one, and it's, it's quite a, a rarer one to get hold of than the, than the usual form. But interesting. I, I love it.
1: It's certainly unusual. I take it you don't have that one, Alan. No, I don't, but I mean, I, I, I've got, you know, something quite similar with the good old Tracunculus vulgaris. Um, yeah, <laughs> but um, I remember we had a a visiting vicar in the garden one day who's terribly. He was such a funny man. You know, you always tend to think of vicars as being sort of sombre and and all the rest. Of it. But he was he was just a joke a joke a minute. And he was with his mum, and he was on our plant stand, and he saw Dracunculus vulgaris for sale in a pot, and he looked at me and winked, and he said, "Mother, this is a plant that you really must have."
2: Uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. Uh, I mean, out out of the out of the Hardy aroids that you can grow, that one definitely packs a punch when it's in flower. It's yeah. uh, and it's I think there's a white fun. space version of that, Jack, isn't there? Uh, there is. And uh, out of the genus, there's uh, there's Dracunculus vulgaris, and then the only other one is Dracunculus canariensis. And
0: oh, oh, look, it's like it was planned.
2: I have it. So I'm really pleased about that one. And uh, it's a nice plant and actually smells nice, which is unusual. The, the flowers oh, smell of primroses and slight, slightly like lemon, a bit like lemonade, that sort of thing. And it's got a, a, a white spathe and a yellow spadix and, and is lovely. A really nice one, but nowhere near as hardy. Dracunculus vulgaris okay. is completely hardy and canariensis definitely isn't but it's worth growing in a pot
0: <laughs> yeah it looks lovely that one
2: yeah it's nice it has
0: occurred to me that your family I mean is your kind of house and garden at various points in the year just slightly stinky
2: yeah fairly regularly yeah <laughs> um I've I've got a, a really big patch of um it's Arum diascoridis var syricum or syriacum syricum from syria um, which is a, a really lovely green leafed arum and then has these big spathes that are all motley with uh, uh, it's kind of a yellow background and purple spotting on them and, and that is in my front garden and I got a, a phone call from my wife earlier in the in the spring saying I think something is rotting in the bins you know so you could really need to move the bins well away from the front door because they're smelling terrible. And it turned out it was this arum had opened four flowers in one go and was filling the whole front garden with, with smell. But it's a, it's a wonderful thing. So, yeah, definitely. I've got lots of smelly plants in my garden at home, much to my wife's uh, distaste.
0: <laughs> and I think you've got two little boys. What do they make of all of these stinky plants?
2: Uh, I've got two boys and, uh, and a daughter as well. Um, I've, uh, I've got Ellis, 11, Ewan, who is 10, and Poppy, who's three. Um, they are mostly not interested. If it's not on a computer screen, uh, if it's not in <laughs> Minecraft or Fortnite, then they're, they're not especially excited. Though um, so I do have a picture that I, that I will give you um, of my boys holding the sorumatum that I mentioned earlier, has got a, a giant form called sorumatum Indian giant. And I've got a picture of, of my boys stood next to one of these flowering in my back garden, looking un, unimpressed. But it's, a, it's a lovely thing.
0: <laughs> One day they
2: will understand, and I, they, I, they'll follow I'm in your footsteps. Forcing it upon them, basically, whether <laughs> they like it or not.
0: Uh, now, are there any more bits of show and tell that we haven't covered? Uh,
2: I have an amorphophallus tuber. Oh, which is which is a pretty nice thing, um, amorphophallus definitely a one of one of my favorite plants but but not hardy but again they're, they're so unusual with that one single giant umbrella leaf and then really interesting looking uh markings on the on the petiole so definitely good really well, interesting i'm,
0: I'm uh, in cambridge and you, every so often you know rarely you'll get these exciting press releases from the botanic garden about their which one have they got
2: it's the titanarum, it will be. It'll be Amorphophallus titanum, which is the, the corpse flower, the, the huge. It's, it's touted as the, the biggest flower in the world, is it? But it's, it's technically it's an inflorescence because it's a number of flowers packed onto that spadix, so it's, it's not the biggest. No, I the, largest,
1: the largest flower in the world was on David Attenborough's new programme about two weeks ago. Is that and a it- yeah, Rafflesia, and it's like it's a bit like our smelly thick cactus things, succulents that we had when we were boys. Um, but it has a flower that's like
2: a meter across; it's huge. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a wonderful thing. If only I had a giant greenhouse to grow the vine. You need it a giant be- greenhouse, Jack, for yeah. that.
1: <laughs> and a giant heating bill, I think, as well.
2: Uh, yeah, quite possibly. <laughs> Put it on Ben's credit card; it'd be fine. <laughs>
0: Well, I tell you what, the last sort of three quarters of an hour or whatever have absolutely flown by in an amazing array of plants. Yeah. I think we've got serious flow. By. I've seen Alan scribbling things down left, right <laughs> and centre, getting inspired for uh, for planting things into his Dixonia. So, um, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah that, well, I, I mean, that is a stroke of genius. I don't know why I've never thought of it, but I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, it's me age, you know, I go... <laughs> But I think, you know, that's a genius of an idea. And I mean, if, we, if you can take one thing away from a podcast, I will certainly be planting anything that I think might grow in the trunks of Dixonias. I've got enough of them after all. I mean, you have.
2: They're a lovely thing in their own right, the, the trunk of a Dixonia, but I kind of feel like it's such a good rooting yeah. media on, on the trunk itself. It, it would be a shame not to jam loads of yes, it again. No, you're right. Yeah. You do what grows. So yeah. I think
0: we, we know where Alan's Flomo is going. If you are listening to the Talking Dirty podcast for the first time, Flomo is a feeling I live with day in, day out. It's a sort of fear of missing out about flowers and plants. Um, clearly, uh, Jack goes around sort of after stinky plants um, <laughs> day in, day out. Um, but you, alongside sharing little brown flowers and, uh, and various curiosities, you shared something i've been after for or wanted for a while on your instagram jack uh, probably a few months back uh, a fuchsia procumbens yes. which i know isn't like the showiest thing in the world but it, there's something about the blue pollen about its sort of delicate tubular manner that i i adore and clearly you've got that one at york gate
2: uh, i do and it's it's proved hardy for us as well i wasn't convinced whether it was actually going to be a hardy perennial or not and um, i i grew it in a pot for a while and it, it looked terrible so i kind of almost in giving up on it planted it in the rockery so it's got really sharp drainage under its feet and it's up, tucked up against a rock um and it's it's been really hardy it's been it's been great and like you say with those kind of green upwards facing flowers it, it's a it's definitely an unusual one uh, it makes plenty of seed pods plenty of berries on it so you I'll I'll chuck one your way when it's when it's making them again.
0: This is exciting because yeah I I've never seen it in berry but does it have like little pink berries?
2: It's got fairly it's like a small grape-sized purple berries on it. The berries are bigger than the flowers. It's an interesting thing, kind of wow. pinky purple berries.
0: Wow, wow, well, very exciting. So that's where I'm at, Flomo Wise, and also the Myersia. I still can't say it. Uh,
2: <laughs> I can't say it and I grow it, so it's okay.
0: <laughs> so there's two, definitely two, that I came into this podcast with. Where are you at with your flow-mo, Jack?
2: Mine, uh, mine are aroids, I'm afraid. I've got two aroids <laughs> that I'm, I've, I've always been after or been after since, I've, since I found out about them. And, and nobody seems to grow them. Um, one is, uh, I think I'm pronouncing it right, uh, Simpler carpus foetidus, which is the uh, American polecap weed. It looks it looks a bit like a like a miniature version of the skunk cabbage that you see as a weed um, all over the place. The yellow, big skunk cabbage, um, but this one has got a an unusual red flower, really hooded, sinister-looking thing. Um, and its flower produces its own heat and melts the snow round. The flower as it's coming out in early in the year and then it's got these big cabbagey leaves afterwards but one I, I definitely want
0: that's amazing I have not heard of that that sounds
2: incredibly I'll, I'll send you the spelling because I'm not convinced that how I pronounced it was correct but simplocarpus <laughs> I think it is wow I
0: love the fact that it melts the snow what a fantastic evolutionary development
2: yeah definitely
0: so was that, was that your main one was there another one as well
2: there is. Um, this is probably even more vague as well. Um, I, I grow a different sorumatum, a uh, little miniature one called sorumatum horsefieldii. And on the uh, on the late great Alan Galloway's website, he posted a picture of a, a lanceolate leaf form of sorumatum horsefieldii that that gets a lot bigger and has these really fancy strappy leaves. Um, and we just. As far as I'm aware, don't grow it in Europe. It's, it's a plant that they grow in the States um, and we just can't get it over here. And I fawn over pictures of that late at night, fairly regularly, basically, but just can't, can't get it. Nobody can get me it. So uh, if you're listening, soromatum <laughs> Hulsefieldii lanceolate leaf form is, is one that I would really like.
0: Jack Ogg's the man. He's in desperate need.
2: <laughs> Please.
0: Right then, Alan. Where are you at with
1: your Flomo then? Well, I just want all of it. <laughs> I think. Uh, uh, well, there's so many plants that, that that Jack's mentioned today that I've not heard of and I don't know. Um, and you can tell that um, somehow or other that some. I mean, who but uh, an idiot would grow a bowyer, um, for instance? Um... <laughs> That's a lovely thing. Yeah, I think so. But I mean a lot of other people. Say, I mean, I got a lady that works for me and said, when you really can chuck that whole thing out, it doesn't do anything. Oh. And I think, well, it, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> there we are. Uh, each to their own. But no, I mean, I I think I need to I need to increase my po- the population of um arums. Mm. Um definitely aroids in general in general, really. Um, and I want to go for things that are, are hardy because I'm, you know, they say. However big your greenhouse, you will fill it, and I have.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I know that one well.
1: Yeah, and there's plants queuing up to get in the door, really, but, I mean, you know, <laughs> we we have to, we can't keep building another greenhouse. Um, but, no, that I particularly would like to grow Tracunculus canariensis, which Jack had a pot of, um, because I think that
2: that could probably live, I don't know, does it leaf throughout the winter, Jack? It does, yeah. It's it's, it's winter growing. I th- I think um, if I was in the in a milder climate, further further south, it might well be hardy and you know up against a wall. If you were growing noreens or amaryllis or something, it would probably cope quite well with with that. But it's just not been been hardy for me. I want to try it in your sand bed. Well, saying that the the close relative of Tracunculus, the uh, the dead horse arum uh i think you pronounce it um which as the name suggests has a huge spade that's all hairy and unpleasant looking and smells like a dead horse um has proved hardy for me um ah. so it, it you know i'll give it a go but but this uh canariensis is is quite precious to me because it's so unusual so uh I'll, I'll bulk it up a bit more before I try some outside. Good for you. Well done.
0: <laughs> so, Alan, plenty of nice warm spots at East Ruston where you could uh, give it a go.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm always t- telling people, you know, the, the base of a wall. I mean, lots of people think, well, they can't grow anything at the base of a wall because it's too hot, too dry, and all the rest of it. But if you turn that round and look at the kind of plants that might like to live there, um, for instance, I mean, I grow quite a few tender narcissi or they're tender in most people's gardens, but they're not here because of where I sit, where I put them and they're basically dry for the winter. And I think that's the key to getting a lot of plants that are less than hardy through the winters is if you can keep their roots dry, um, they will take some frost or you give them a mulch and cover them up for the winter as well. I mean, there's all kinds of little tricks and tips that we gardeners do, um, it's just an interesting way of growing more plants,
0: which is our great aim. <laughs>
1: yeah, always. <laughs>
0: always
1: grow more plants,
0: and uh, Jack Og. I think you've increased the Aroid Appreciation Society members uh, over here. We are, <laughs> we are all freshly infused. We must get you back. I think we need a double act of you and Ben.
2: Uh, I, I am, I'm up for that. I could do that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we look forward to seeing you in uh, in the coming months but thank you for coming along and just blowing our mind with all of these unusual plants everybody needs to go and follow your instagram and see all the beautiful things you post there as well
2: hopefully i'll, I'll better start posting some more interesting pictures then <laughs>
0: It's lovely to catch up with you and properly chat rather than just follow all your endeavours on social media. We look forward to next time, but in the meantime, happy gardening, everybody!
1: All the best, Jack. Thank you. Bye
0: bye. Hey. hey, Thordis here. Just to say, thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person. We don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening, and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time.